Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Hey guys, good to see you all. Great to uh, be here again and to minister the word. I'm really excited about this morning's word. And uh, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. Um, You might notice my my new new looking Bible. Uh, If you've been kind of looking at... uh, what I've been preaching out of the last couple of weeks, it was a tatty old Bible, which I got about 15 or 16 years ago, and um, my absolute favorite Bible, but uh, I got a number of comments that it didn't look very good that I was preaching out of that. So I succumbed to public or to peer pressure, and here I am preaching out of this. So I heard a couple of claps, so someone's happy that I'm preaching out of a nicer looking Bible. And after all of that, I'm saying what? Isaiah 54. There you go. All right. I was reading a book uh, called Jesus the King by Tim Keller, and I'd like to just start off by um, mentioning a quote from that particular uh, book that I read. Tim Keller writes this, he says, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see that we were created to live in a world in which all relationships were whole because God was king. He goes on to say, but Genesis 3 tells the, the next part of our story that we each have chosen to be our own king. We've gone the way of self-centeredness, and self-centeredness destroys relationships. There's nothing that makes you or me more miserable or less entertaining or interesting than self-centeredness. How am I feeling? How am I doing? How are people treating me? Am I proving myself? Am I succeeding? Am I failing? Am I being treated justly? Why do we have wars? Why is there class struggles? Why is there family breakdown? Why are our relationships constantly exploding? It's the darkness of self-centeredness. When we decide to be our own king, everything else falls apart, physically, socially, spiritually, and emotionally. We have left the dance, but we all long to be brought back in. This longing is embedded in the legends of many cultures, Tim Keller says. And through the story, and though the stories are all different, they all have a similar theme. A true king will come back and will slay the dragon, will kiss us and wake us out of our sleep of death, rescue us from imprisonment in the tower, and lead us back into the dance. A true king will come back to put everything right and and renew the entire world. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus is that true king. So the title of my message this morning is, The Lord Our Redeemer And uh, subtitled, and I'm stealing a phrase from a great comedy skit uh, done by uh, Brian Regan, uh, subtitled, The Me Monster Has Been Slain, or Captain You Planet Has Been Overthrown. That's what we're speaking a little bit about today. So uh, we're at part four of our our series in uh, Isaiah, uh, the series entitled Spoken Over Us. It's a, it's a journey through the book of Isaiah, looking not, not at the particular texts per se, but what are some of the prophetic words that God has spoken over church in the city, either from the book of Isaiah or the theme or the essence of the prophetic word is, is captured by a particular text in, in, in the book. James started the series out a couple of weeks ago, speaking out of Isaiah chapter 40, the fact that we are called as a church to be, to be watchmen over our city, to stand in the gap on behalf of those who don't know how to pray to God, uh, uh, to, 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 to intercede for them and, and also for us to be declaring God's heart, God's heart of grace, God's heart of mercy, and God's word to our city. Uh, the following week after that, I was teaching out of Isaiah 58, the fact that we are called to be repairer of broken walls. That, that amazingly, Jesus has invited us, you and I, to partner with him in building his church. 
working under his specific leadership. And I spoke a little bit about the fact that we are a distinct people because we are saved by grace. We are a, we're a going people who, who, who desire to take the word of the Lord to the city and to, and to the nations. We're a, we're a people that radiate the glory of God because Jesus is in our midst. Jesus is at the center of who we are. And then last week, Vanessa did a, an outstanding job teaching out of Isaiah 53, speaking about uh, the, the lamb who was slain for us. And she so powerfully encouraged us and reminded us that we are called and commissioned to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have nothing to be ashamed about the gospel. If we preach a gospel that is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to be speaking out of Isaiah 54. And uh, let's read together. First five verses of Isaiah 54. The text will be behind me. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. It says this, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband." The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. It's impossible for us to tackle this particular text without just reminding ourselves that it is absolutely linked to what Vanessa preached last week out of Isaiah 53. Uh, so often one of the struggles that I have with, with the fact that we've uh, chosen to put, or man or whoever has chosen to put chapters and verses in is that we lose sight of the, of the continual story. Isaiah 54 and Isaiah 55 is absolutely linked to what was taught last week out of Isaiah 53. So not to re-preach Vanessa's sermon, but I want to read a paragraph just to summarize what she said so that we can all be on the same page before we get to what I want to look, look at today. And so this is my little summary of Isaiah 53. Jesus is our prophet and priest who ministers on our behalf before the Father. Jesus is our perfect sacrificial lamb who died in our place. Jesus was willing to suffer and to be abandoned and to be crushed so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus is our faithful and humble servant who has perfectly fulfilled God's will. Jesus is our all-conquering and majestic king who defeated death, sin, Satan, and the flesh. Jesus is our compassionate intercessor who never stops praying and bringing petitions before the Father on our behalf. Jesus is the channel of God's grace, and in Jesus only is holiness and mercy perfectly reconciled. Jesus is the key to all of God's promises and all of God's purpose for all of God's people in all of the world. Jesus reigns supreme. That was the essence of what was taught so wonderfully last week. And so, we got to, so once we know that, we've got to ask ourselves, how do we respond to this revelation of Jesus? And that's what Isaiah 54 and 55 are all about. How do we respond to the revelation of what Jesus has done? And look at verse 1 of Isaiah 54. How do we respond? It says, sing, sing, burst into song, shout for joy. 
Amen? That's a good time for you to shout for joy. That's a good time for you to, to proclaim, yes, the Lord is, is, is king. Isaiah 55 picks up on the same theme. doesn't say sing, but Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, All of you who are hungry, all of you who are thirsty, come, come and feast on the goodness of who God is. Even if you don't have money, even if you don't have wealth, come and enjoy the goodness of God. James challenged us two years ago, and I'll never forget what he said, and I think it's so true. He challenged us that as a community and as a culture and as a generation, we've perfected the art of the cool, muted, measured response. And I think that's so true. We've aced the class on how to be indifferent. We don't generally do extreme very well, especially when it comes to the things of God. And I want to say, friends, we need to break that over our culture. We need to break that over our, uh, over our generation and, and not think that indifference and, and, and a measured, muted response is the way to respond to the word of God. These, th- those, a, a muted, measured response is not, a, is not an option that is given to us here. I'm going to get to Isaiah 54, but I, I really want to just take five minutes to just emphasize this truth. Isaiah 55 is saying to us that, that we need to come, even if, we're, even if we don't have money, and, and feast on the goodness of the Lord. Come and, and taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to think for a moment about times when you've uh, uh, seen something of incredible beauty, maybe a piece of art or maybe an incredible film. Maybe you've enjoyed a meal that's just been uh, breathtaking, maybe a sunset or a sunrise. Maybe you're not artistic at all and you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Think about a great football game where, where you're watching football and you've, you've seen uh, some wide receiver mo- make the most amazing play. Think about how you respond to, to all of those scenes of, 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 of beauty and majesty. Something within us needs to be expressed, isn't it? Don't we say those things? Oh, did you see that? Wow, that was amazing. We, we have to express something of, 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 the, of the beauty that we've seen. That's the first thing that we do. The second thing that we do is we look around to share it with somebody. We say, did you, did you see that? Did you see that play? Or did you see that, 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 that piece of art? Oh, come and taste this. This meal is incredible. We call our wives to come and look at the sunset at the end of the day. I want you to see this, honey. I want you to enjoy this with me. That's why Instagram is so popular. The whole premise of Instagram is, is to share with your friends what you are seeing and, and beholding and consider beautiful. That's the essence of Instagram in its purest form. I know it's been, you know. Anyway, let me not go down that, that particular road. But friends, I, I, how much more so when we behold the beauty of the Lord? How much more so when we see Jesus exalted and glorified? How much more so do we, do we need to find a way to express ourselves? Friends, what we did this morning for the first 40 minutes of our service was our opportunity to express the beauty and the glory of the Lord because we've seen Jesus. It's not singing four songs that James and, and, and Vanessa chose before, we, you know, before the church starts. That's not what worship is. Worship is our opportunity to, to behold and to express the beauty of the Lord. And evangelism, friends is our opportunity to bring someone along to come and and enjoy what we see in Jesus. Evangelism is not a program. Evangelism is not an obligation. Evangelism is not not a duty or something that we have to do. It's it's bringing our friends along so that they can enjoy and, 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 and celebrate the goodness of who God is. 
Okay, and before we move on, off on this point, I want to just say this. Don't allow selfishness or self-centeredness to affect your worship experience on a, on a Sunday morning. Don't come and say, well, you know, I don't really care for those song choices. Nah, the worship leader was a little off on his strumming. Didn't really appeal to me. Oh, the speakers were way too loud. I can't worship in this. I've had a tough week. Now, you, some of you laugh, but we've all been there, haven't we? We all stand there at times and go, ah, James is a little off today. I don't know if I can really get into this. And he wasn't, by the way. He wasn't today. <laughs> but seriously, you guys do that when I preach. I know you do. Uh, I, I'm not really getting Steve today. I think I'm just going to dial out and, you know, try again next week. Friends, don't. Don't allow your self-centeredness. And I do it too. Don't allow our self-centeredness to affect our worship of God. We can have someone who got saved last week preaching, in, in, and we've all got something to learn if they're preaching about Jesus. Make Jesus the center of why we gathered uh, on, on Sunday mornings. All right, let's get into the particular text that I want to speak about this morning. I was thinking about some of the biggest struggles that, face, that the church in the U.S. face, and I'm sure that some of you wouldn't be surprised if I suggested to you that individualism, rampant individualism, is probably one of the biggest struggles or, or hurdles or difficulties that the church in the U.S. face. And I think it's, it's centered around an overemphasis of questions like, well, well what's in it for me? And, and how am I going to be blessed? I, I think because of that, sometimes we've actually stigmatized those questions, and I want to maybe just, I want to start off this morning and suggest to you that, that in essence, those questions are actually not wrong questions to ask. It's not wrong to ask what's in it for me. It's not wrong to say, how does God want to bless me? And the reason I say that is because the word of God is so clear that God is our father. He is our good, gracious, and merciful father. And he has amazing gifts and things that he wants to bless us with. And so I want to just take the first part of my sermon this morning and talk a little bit about the, the very personal uh, application that this prophetic word has. And two things in particular that I want to look at. The first thing is found in verse 1, that God wants to bring fruitfulness in your life with his barrenness. God wants to bring fruitfulness and wholeness and healing where there is barrenness or dryness or struggle or weakness. Look at verse 1, sing the psalmist, uh, sorry, uh, Isaiah writes, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. The God that we serve, friends, is the, is the God who, who calls things that are not as though they were. Uh, Romans 4 says that in the NIV. In the ESV it says, God calls into existence those things that don't exist. God was the God who spoke into the life of Abraham and Sarah. And even though, as Paul writes in, in, in Romans 4, I think it is, he says that, that Abraham considered his body as good as dead. He considered uh, uh, Sarah's womb barren. That word barren literally means the deadness of her womb. How depressing is that? He was dead and, her, and he considered the deadness of her womb. But God spoke into that situation and promised them a child. He spoke something into existence that did not exist. Isaac was told by God in Genesis 26, I think it is, to, to sow in the land of famine, in, the, in a place of desert. And he was able in the same year to reap a hundredfold because of the promise of God. 
Moses was shaped by the Lord from this uh, insecure, uh, struggling, failed leader to become Israel's greatest leader, and it says the greatest prophet ever to walk the face of this earth. It's because of the goodness of God, because God declares, because God speaks into situations. That's the common reality in all of those instances and endless number of other examples that we find in Scripture. Where there is barrenness, when God speaks His word, when God declares His word, God brings about the change. Friends, that's what faith is. Faith is not trusting in the things that you hope for. Faith is trusting in the things that God has promised you. Because our faith is not trusting that we can see the result. Our faith is rooted in the reality that God is faithful. That he is able to fulfill that which he spoke and that which he promised. And so two little applications I want to bring before you this morning. Number one, I want to ask you, what has God said about the weaknesses in your life? Have you taken the time to press into God and say, God, this area is is a barren area in my life. What is your word for me? What is your perspective on this area? What is your heart for this area of barrenness in my life? I'm not saying this because, I'm not asking you to do this because I did it, but, I, but Debs and I started this year doing exactly that. We didn't want to just come into the year and say, well, great, let's just, see, let's just do what God wants, you know, just generally what God wants. We, we, we took two or three days to fast and pray and to, and to seek God for his heart for this year. And one of the things I felt God challenged me on is, is I've got areas of weakness. I've got insecurities that, that I felt I've been carrying literally for years. And this year I, I, I felt I've, I heard God's heart for those areas of, of insecurity and weakness. And I'm trusting to see God break through this year to bring fruitfulness in those areas. I want to encourage you, take the time to find God's heart for those weak areas in your life. And then the second thing we need to do is is what Christian wonderfully led us in, in this morning, to sing out and to declare his praises in faith. Even before we've seen the, 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 the promise come through. Friends, there's no faith in rejoicing, God, in rejoicing in God in the promise already fulfilled. Because you've got what, what he's promised you. Faith comes when we, when we sing out, when we declare, when we stand on his word in anticipation of him fulfilling that which he had promised. The barren woman is encouraged to, to sing out and to shout for joy in anticipation of God bringing fruitfulness in her life. And I want to encourage you to do the same. As you catch God's heart, as you, as you see God speak into your situation, into your area of weakness, I want to encourage you to sing out, to proclaim, to, to thank God for that which he's promised over you. The second wonderful promise that I, I want to just bring personally to us today is this, and it's found in verse 4 and 5. God doesn't want us to suffer any longer under the fear of humiliation and disgrace and the suffocation of shame. He doesn't want us to live there any longer, friends. Look at verse four and five. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. God says here that he wants us to forget the shame of our youth. And can I remind you, if you, haven't, if you don't know this, your youth is not just that which happened 20 years ago. The shame of your youth can refer to something which you did last week. And you're living in the guilt of that. 
God wants to set us free from that, friends. How do, we, how do we deal with the shame of our youth? How do we forget about the shame of our youth? How do we come out from underneath the fear of disgrace and humiliation? It's this way, by remembering who he is and what he's done for us. The promise in verse four and five is that he is our redeemer. The Lord is our redeemer. That word redeemer means to, to, to pay the price. It means to exchange death with life. It means to exchange uh, slavery with freedom. God has paid the price. He is our redeemer. He set us free. Ephesians chapter one says this. It says that, that in him we have redemption through his blood. And then it adds this wonderful point at the end. Paul explains it to us. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. I didn't know the guys were gonna sing that song today that he's taken our sins and he's cast them as far as the east is from the west. But friends, that's an incredible reality and a wonderful truth to sing. That's why we can say at the end of that song, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh my soul, praise the Lord. Because he's literally done that. He's taken our sin and he's cast our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that Jesus, God, remembers our sin no more. How can you forget about the shame of your youth? You remind yourself that God remembers our sin no more. Why, when God God says, God, the almighty, all-knowing creator of the heavens and the earth is forgetful about our sin, why do we keep reminding him and ourselves of it? That's why we can be free. That's why we can be free of this. But the wonderful truth of these verses in verse four and five is he's not just our redeemer. You see, someone who's done this, we can be eternally grateful and eternally thankful towards or for. But he's not just our redeemer. He's also our husband. We're not just eternally grateful for what he's done, but we're in love with who he is. A silly example, but if a police officer were to catch you driving through a red light and he would pull you over and you know that you are guilty and he says to you, you know what? You deserve this fine but I'm gonna let you off. You're, you're grateful to the police officer, but you're not in love with him. Well, hopefully not. Maybe he smiles, no, you may not go down. But you get no points. When someone does something that, you return, that you're grateful for, it doesn't mean that you necessarily love them. God's redeemed us. He's our redeemer. We're eternally grateful for what he's done, but he's more than our redeemer. He's our husband. He wants, us to love, he wants us to love him intimately and he loves us intimately. I wanna suggest, friends, that, that, that one of the things we need to do this year, one of the things that I'm feeling God laying on our hearts as a church to do this year is to take some of these truths, these truths of who God is and of who we are in Christ and to put them as a, as a God over our hearts and over our minds. The Bible tells us to do that. God is your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And friends, sometimes guarding our heart is not getting a little Holy Spirit fix, and I'm being a little bit facetious, a little bit cheeky. Just playful, don't get offended. God wants us to take the truth of who he is and who we are in him and place it, place that truth as a God over our heart. I do think one of the struggles that we as a, a spirit-filled community sometimes do face is that we tend to look, for God, look to look for God and look to find God only in the miraculous and only in the extra, extraordinary things. And I wanna say sometimes, friends, it takes some, some, some determined discipline under the grace of God 
to stand on his word and to place the truth of who he is and who we are as a God over our hearts. And when we start to feel discouraged, we go back to God's word and we say, God, you have spoken in your word. This is who you are and this is who I am. And I stand on that truth today. Let's be a people who would, who would guard our hearts in that way. I want to go back now to the question that I was uh, asking a little earlier about saying, you know, what's in it for me or, or how does God want to bless me? And, and I suggested to you that those are not necessarily unhelpful questions, but I'll say this. I do think those questions can become unhelpful questions. And I do think those, an overemphasis of those questions can add fuel to the fire of rampant individualism in the church if we don't progress to the second phase of that. If we just stop and say, what's in it for me? How am I going to be blessed? And center it all around ourselves, I think that is a problem. But I want to suggest that for the second part of what I want to share with you today is this. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. God wants to bring healing in us so that we can be a means through which others find healing. God wants to bring liberty and freedom to us so that we can help others walk into freedom as well. And that's the missing piece of what I haven't looked at yet in Isaiah 54. We focused on verse one, we focused on verse four and five, but look at verse two and three. What, what, what the prophet is saying, he's saying this, he's saying, sing, O barren woman, uh, God wants to bless you, but... but Stretch your tent curtains wide. Get ready. Enlarge yourself. Prepare for others who will walk into the blessing that you're experiencing. Look at verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tents, he says. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and, and will settle in their desolate cities. I took a couple of prophetic words that God has spoken over church in the city and I, and I put this little paragraph together. God's heart breaks for those in our city who are barren. He weeps for those who are paralyzed by shame and by guilt from the past. And it's to those broken and bound and barren people that God has called us as a church to go. It's been said that church in the city is a, is a place of high liberty and freedom, but not freedom for freedom's sake but freedom so that we can go and set others free and to help them to begin to pursue and walk into the calling and the destiny that God has from them, for them. So now having looked at the, some of the personal prophetic words or the, the personal prophetic promises out of Isaiah 54, I want to ask you to, to just to help come with me for the next 10 minutes as we, as we look at the outworking of what does this mean for us as a church and how we can trust to see our city impacted. This concept of, of God blessing us so that we can be a blessing is something that is rooted in, the, in, in all of Scripture. In the very beginning of God's Word, we see this concept being introduced. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God says over Adam and Eve, I've created you in my image. Now, now go and be fruitful. Go and increase. Go and multiply. But God blesses them to start off with. Genesis chapter 12, if you've got a Bible, turn there quickly, or you can just follow on behind me. This, this famous passage where, where God speaks this blessing in order to, this, this, be blessed in order to be a blessing, he speaks it over Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, 1, 2, and 3. He says this, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Five times in three verses, God uh, 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 mentions or, or emphasizes this word bless or blessing. What does it mean? What does it mean to bless? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be a blessing to others? I suggest this. I suggest that the blessing of God is the, is the favor and the life of God upon somebody. The blessing of God is, is God's supernatural enabling that, it, that, 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 that allows you to walk into your intended destiny. It's, it's the supernatural hand of God upon you that, that allows you to step into all that God has called you to be. Often when we look in the scriptures, we, we find blessing can be something very tangible and something very quantifiable. The blessing of God speaks about God's provision. Now, I'm not saying material wealth equals the blessing of God. I'm saying God's provision. God meeting your needs. If you're in financial need, if you're in emotional need, I want to say God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to bless us as a community. It speaks about God's provision. It speaks about God's presence. The presence of the Lord always going with you. It speaks about the peace of God. In the midst of storms, in the midst of trials, in the midst of struggles, knowing that the peace of God is upon us. That's what the blessing of God is. And so what we have in Genesis chapter 12 is this instance where, where God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, he says, he says, I want to bless you. I want you to walk into your intended destiny. I want to pour out my anointing and favor and grace upon you so that you can become all that I want you to become. But he, start, he doesn't stop there. He says, but as you become all that I want you to be, I want you to go and help the nations become all that I want them to be. I want you to go and help other people walk into their destiny. Now, fast forward to the book of Galatians. Paul makes it very clear that the ultimate fulfillment of the nations being blessed is through the coming of Jesus Christ, who was born as a seed of, of Abraham. And we know that to be true. When, when people or when nations or when cities come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, they walk into the blessing and the favor of God. But remarkably, Paul says something else in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, he says this. If you belong to Christ, speaking of us, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. So what does that mean? If you are seated here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and this is what the Bible is, is saying, that you receive the heritage of God wanting to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Think of that picture of Abraham receiving the promise of God. We love taking selfies, don't we? We love taking selfies. Right now, think of yourself, take a selfie in your, in, your, in your mind, take a selfie, then Photoshop, take out Abraham's face and stick that little selfie on top of Abraham's body. And let me tell you, once you've done that, Genesis 12 is still completely intact. The promise remains true. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And this is the good news, friends. God is, makes an incredible habit of using very ordinary, very human, very weak and, and, and insignificant people. God uses us all 
so that we can be a blessing. He's not waiting for us to get right. He's not waiting for us to, to be completely fulfilled and, and, and without any issues before he can use us. God works in our weaknesses. God brings fruitfulness where there's barrenness. God uses or works through our weaknesses, through our struggles and through our failings. God is teaching us dependence upon him. He's teaching us patience. He's teaching us faith. And then lastly, God works in spite of our weaknesses. And when we realize, friends, that we are weak people, we realize that what we have at our disposal might seem like three fish and five loaves before a multitude. We realize it's not so much what we do or bring that blesses the nations, but it's God's blessing upon the three fish and five loaves. The wonderful truth of, that, of, the, of the feeding of 5,000 with three fish and five loaves is that little boy didn't come apologetically with, the, with what he had and said, well, Lord, I'm sorry, this isn't very much. And Jesus didn't take those three fish and five loaves and say to the father, Father, I know this isn't very much. I'm not sure if you can do anything with this, but I'm gonna give it a go. Let's hope that you can bless and, and use this to feed the multitudes. What did he do? He lifted up three fish and five loaves before 5,000 people, and he said, Father, Thank you for what, you, what we have at our disposal. Would you bless this so that people can be fed? We must stop apologizing for the little that we have and start bringing the little that we have with gratitude before the Father and say, Father, thank you that you've given me this. Now, Lord, would your blessing be upon it so that the multitudes can be impacted through it? I wanted to look at Exodus 19, but we don't have time to do that, so I'm going to just jump right down to the end and have a look at just some application that I want to bring before we end. Two things. Two things that I want to encourage you with before I get Christian up here to, to kind of wrap things up. Two points of application, two, two things for you to think about as you, as you go from here this morning. What do we do in response to this wonderful promise out of Isaiah 54? Firstly, I want to say this. We find dignity and our true identity and purpose when we give ourselves to something far bigger than that that which just benefits you and me. I I really believe that. You will not find your true worth and your true purpose until you give yourself over to something that is far bigger than just you. Because we see the example of Jesus in that. As I said earlier, the me monster has been slain. Captain New Planet has been overthrown. We need, friends, we need to learn how to live for the benefit of others. And once you've learned it, you need to relearn it over and over and over again. That monster will try and raise its head up every now and then. And we need to remember that that, that monster has been slain. We need to learn how to live for the benefit of others. Philippians chapter two says this, listen, please listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And how do we do that? Paul tells us in the very next verse, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the ultimate example of of what it means to live for other people. Hebrews chapter 12, I think it was quoted earlier on. Uh, Let us consider Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross. The joy set before him wasn't, Jesus wasn't excited about going to the cross because he's some masochist or whatever. Jesus was was able to, to, to go through the agony of the cross because of the joy set before him, the knowledge that generations and nations would be impacted by his, by his obedience to the Father. Can I encourage us very practically to, in this way? When someone asks you for help, when there's an opportunity to serve, when there's a need to be fulfilled, I want to challenge us all. Let, let's make sure that no is not the first answer that we come up with. Look for ways to step in the gap. Look for ways to serve. Look for ways to give. Look for ways to, to answer the call or answer the need if there is a need in the church. Secondly, second application is this. I believe God wants us to begin to be enlarged and to be stretched and to be strengthened. I feel what that means is that God wants us to get ready. God wants us to make some space. God wants us to, to loosen up those tent pegs and to stretch them a little wider and to strengthen those pegs once they've been stretched wider so that we can embrace the capacity and the more that God has for us. And I want to share a couple of areas that I feel like God wants to enlarge us in. Firstly, God wants to enlarge us in our hearts for more relationships. God wants to enlarge us in our hearts for more relationships. To every person here, I want to say this. There is always room for one more. There is always room for one more relationship in your life. You can, those who have kids will know this, those who have multiple kids will know this to be true. You have one child, you think, I cannot love another child more than this. And you don't feel ready until the second child arrives. And miraculously, you find room in your heart for the second child, or the third child, or in Dave's and Kathy's case, the fourth child, and also the Miller's case, the fourth child. And I've probably forgotten someone else who has four children. Forgive me, I don't mean to offend you if, if I've forgotten you. But make room in your heart. There's always room for one more relationship. Secondly, I believe God is challenging us to make room in our, in, in our finances. Let's take David's invitation seriously. Let's trust that this, this be the year that we don't just scrape by. Let's trust that this be the year where we find God's fruitfulness in this maybe a barren area in your finances. Let's trust that this be the year where we are not making space so that we can spend more, but we are making space so that we can sow more into the kingdom. Let's trust that this be the year where we are finding God's spaciousness in the area of our finances. Thirdly, I believe God wants us to help us to be enlarged in the area of our planners, our time. This is a challenge for me. I feel like God wants us to to, to unclutter or to get rid of some of the clutter that fills our time and fills our week. I sense there might be things in our, in our week, some, some things in our schedules that we don't really need to be saying yes to. And it's distracting us from the purposes of God. And then lastly, I feel like God wants us to be enlarged in our dreaming. Christians, uh, I'm gonna probably butcher the phrase, but he said something along the lines of, uh, let us... Let us look, let us look, I'm sorry, Christian, forgive me, you can correct me afterwards, but he said something along, along the lines of, let us look at the impossible and know that God wants us to do exceedingly and abundantly more than that. Something along those lines. Christian, am I right? There you go. 
Let's trust this year be a year where we can dream and embrace the impossible dreams that God has for us. I want to pray before I hand over to Christian and let him come and finish things up. Can you open your hearts and just bow your heads for a moment? Just allow some of these truths to, to sink into your heart. I know this, I trust this message has both been an encouragement to you personally, but also a challenge to us corporately as a church. I want to encourage you right now just to take a moment to, to consider those two personal applications. Maybe there is an area of weakness or, well not maybe, I know there's an area of weakness or barrenness in your life. I want to encourage you right now just to, just to bring it before the Lord. Say, God, would you speak to me this week? Would you speak to me this week about this area of barrenness? Would you give me your heart? Give, give me your perspective? Show me what you want to do in this particular area of weakness. Lord, would you bring fruitfulness right now in Jesus' name? Lord, as people are lifting up their, their hearts to you, as uh, people are opening up their hearts to you, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for fruitfulness in these areas. I, I, I bless your people, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I, I ask for a blessing to come upon your people in the name of Jesus, that you would help them to, to become all that you've called them to be. Just as you remain in this place of just uh, before the Lord, perhaps there are those who are struggling with shame from their youth. Something you did 10 years ago, something you did 10 days ago. I want to encourage you right now, if you haven't, just bring it before the Lord and say, God, I just thank you for showing me that this is not your best. I, I repent. I, I bring this before you. I repent of this, of this area. Lord, help me to be free from the shame of carrying this around. And Lord, I, I ask for that in Jesus' name. I ask for, for guilt and shame and disgrace to be, to be cut off, off of people. I pray for liberty and joy and freedom, that we would be a people who would, who would sing and shout for joy because you have redeemed us. And then lastly, Lord God, as, as we just close, I want to pray for us as a community and a body that you would help us to, to just prepare our hearts for everything that you have for us. Lord, we don't want to miss out on anything. We want to walk into everything that you have for us. So Father, could I ask that you bless this church? Could I ask that you bless this community? Could I ask that you bless the relationships in this community? Could I ask, Lord, that you bless the finances in this community? Lord, I pray that you would bless, Lord God, the gifts in this community. Lord, I ask that you would bless the hearts and, and, and the minds of people in this, in this church family, Lord God. We want to walk into everything that you have for us. Would you help us to do that in Jesus' name? Just as every eye is closed, perhaps you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You might have been coming for a while. Maybe this is your first time here. I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you today to receive the gift of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The way that we come into relationship with God is not through the things that we do, but it's through what Jesus has done, putting our faith in the work of Jesus. If that's you today, I'm gonna to ask you in about 30 seconds just to lift up your hand. I would love to pray with you and lead you in a prayer where you receive Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. If that's you, could you just lift up your hand? If they're saying, Steve, I wanna receive Jesus. I wanna to come to know Jesus as my Lord today. Just lift up your hand, look at me so that I know that you're out there and I'll lead you in a prayer.
where you can receive Jesus into your heart. Anyone? Father, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else like to respond to that invitation? If you've lifted your hand, I'm gonna ask you right where you're seated just to pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not a memory, but that you are alive and that you are seated at the right hand of the Father and that you defeated death and you defeated sin. And I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Father, that you love me so much and that I'm a child of yours. I trust in you and I give you my life. Father, I pray for that person who who received you this morning, Lord God. I pray that they would know that they are a child of yours, sealed and, and, and born into the family of God. Lord, would you bless them? Would you pour out your spirit upon them? Would your face shine on them, Lord God? Would you be gracious to them, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. I don't know about you, but I took more notes than I have in a very long time. So, uh, I don't have anything else to say. That was outstanding. Thanks, Steve. So, we're going to have a ministry team uh, up front here. And uh, take your time this morning. If uh, you just need to marinate a little bit in, uh, in what the Lord spoke to you, do that. And uh, if you'd like to come forward for prayer, we would uh, absolutely love to pray for you. Just to reemphasize what Steve said, he wants to bless you. He really does. It's who we are. We're a people to be blessed, but for the right reasons. And uh, as Steve said, you know, shame and humiliation keeps us from our true identity. Don't let that be something that holds you back any longer. And... Uh, you know, those application points. Relationships, making room for finances, look at your planners, dreaming, dream again. Um, and it just really quick, I, I especially want to encourage any, anyone having uh, issues with sleep. Um, we had uh, a word in the prayer time this morning that I uh, want to pray over those people specifically. Uh, whether you're having difficulty getting to sleep, you're having restlessness in the night, or uh, struggling with nightmares, uh, we'd uh, like to pray for you. And I, I was taking notes when Steve said this. You said something about the monster being slain. Um, our three-year-old Finn had uh, a dream earlier this week. Uh, first time he'd talked about monsters in his dreams. But uh, he talked about it for like a day and a half, right? Babe? I don't remember all the details, but I do remember this. Jesus was in the dream, and so were angels with swords of fire that he said. So let that be the picture as you confront these monsters that are slain. Jesus and his, his army of angels with their swords with fire on it are are behind you and for you. So uh, please take your time receiving the Lord this morning. If you're visiting, please stop by our visitor table and say hello and have an incredible week. Bless you.